Thank you guys for coming back to listen to another episode. I'm so excited because today we have Kiera from Charm City Buyers here. Hi, Kiera. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm excited. Me too. Yeah, of course. Okay, so for our listeners, can you just give a quick background on what uh, Charm City Buyers does and what y'all's mission is? Yes. So we are Charm City Buyers. So we invest and develop real estate here in Baltimore, Maryland. So we're out here buying up the block every day. Um, we're definitely, um, I always say, we don't just talk about it. We, we are about it, right? So mm-hmm. we do that day in and day out. Um, but really focused also on making sure that as Baltimore continues to change and develop, we have a say on what that looks like. And, and to really have that power, we have to reach outside of just ourselves. And so really empowering and educating and mentoring folks on how to find success in Baltimore, a city that has so much opportunity and potential and be able to really you know, experience growth and revitalization and change in a city um, in a whole new way compared to where we think of all these other historically Black cities that have been changed and we kind of watched it happen, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, we're all about making sure we're making better decisions proactively to get better and different results, um, particularly here in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. I think that is such a cool initiative. That's something that I really want to do one day. So it's amazing to see people doing it, especially in a city like Baltimore, where, I don't know, you don't always, the nice, quote unquote, nice part of Baltimore is pretty much completely white, like Mm -hmm. by the harbor. So seeing people who are really in Baltimore and educating the people that live there on how to do the same thing is awesome. Yes, we're excited. Our big initiative right now is um, 2,400 houses in the next three to five years. Um, And that is us and all of our mentees together over the next five years to do 2,400 houses, which is 15% of the vacant property number that's typically thrown out there for Baltimore, which is Um, Mm 16,000. And so really being able to make a defined um, and very intentional impact um, and to, you know, build build a legacy, right? And be able to, to really write your own chapter in a history book for the city, which is, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most people, you think of Baltimore, you think of the wire, right? Mm-hmm. Or you think of that one time you went to the harbor. Um, and so, you know, for us too, it's about showing, you know, a lot of the beauty and culture in Baltimore that's even outside of just the harbor and some right. of the areas and neighborhoods that have that charm and charm city, right? And, and really being able to, to show and showcase that. So yeah, absolutely. All right. So when, how old were you guys uh, when you bought your first property? And when did real estate become your full-time job? Yeah, great question. So um, we bought our first property. I was a year out of college. Um, so I was like 22, 23 um, when we bought the first one. Um, and so, so we started with that first property um, right out of college. It was just enough time for me to know I was not going to work nowhere. And so I got a pension. <laughs> Um, you know, he had, he graduated college a year before me. 
Um, so he had been out there for a second, but we knew, you know, there had to be something different and more for us to do and be able to make a bigger impact versus, you know, what I was doing in corporate for someone else. Um, and so started at 2223. Um, I left my last, last time someone else signed my, uh, my paycheck was 27. Um, so I went full time in real estate at 27. Um, and so I've been full time. Uh, I'll actually, it'll be, it'll actually be five years in, um, in May um, of, of this year. So yeah, I've been out um, for quite some time. Will had left out as well. Um, and then we decided, still being very um, intentional and strategic, right? We're young, right? We don't have to retire early and all that kind of stuff. We still got a lot of work left to do. And so what happened was he came out and was uh, full-time in real estate with me. Um, and then we actually got an opportunity to work with a larger commercial um, and national developer and be able to get more behind the scenes on how do the big boys do it, right? Mm -hmm. If our goal was to continue to grow and do more and make a larger impact, we needed to pull back the curtain on what that looks like and how that really gets done behind the scenes. And so we actually took, you know, the sacrifice of stepping back. He went back um, and worked with them um, as a lead developer, as they looked to get into residential and they had primarily did commercial, they brought Khalil in and then myself, of course, cause we, we, we're a package deal, right? Um, but brought Khalil in uh, primarily to lead their residential um, their reg residential um, sector. And so he was able to learn on both sides of that. And so he spun out, did that for a while, and then came back. And so we're both full-time again uh, uh, currently and over the last while. Wow, that is yeah. incredible. That's such a cool story. Um, so I was going through your website, and I remember it saying that when y'all started in the real estate game, you started with no experience or mentorship, and you said you do not recommend doing that. Um, so what are things uh, that people usually forget to consider before they jump into buying their first property or before they start acquiring more properties? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and this might actually sound like a silly answer, but it's not, right? Especially when you think about Baltimore. <laughs> Sometimes people get excited um, about like, oh, you know, um, I can get a house for $5,000 in Baltimore. Or, oh, you know, I heard they're doing a dollar house program. You can get a property for a dollar. Now, now, first of all, if you're getting it for a dollar, you probably can make a deal out of that some way. But a $5,000 house still might be a bad deal, right? And so for folks that really focus on how much am I paying for the house um, and only look at kind of that, that um kind of get like a very surface level superficial perspective on what a good deal is can really jack you up right <laughs> so in real estate you make your money on the buy which means that before you purchase a property you should not only be thinking about how much you're purchasing it for but how much is that renovation going to be how much will um, the property be worth once it's completed what's happening in the community and neighborhood that's going to help support long-term, you know, potential for this property. You know, what's what's going on? What are some of the rules and regulations of, of this city? Like, there's a lot to take into account. And I think sometimes people get a little bit um, antsy 
about pulling the trigger. And so you want to make sure you're pulling the right trigger for you and not just the first trigger um, that that's available and buying the first property that you like. Um, that's one. Two is uh, on the tenant side when you're actually looking for um, tenants and focusing on, oh, I want to get this check versus, oh, let me make sure this is the right person to be living in this investment that I made um, and making sure that, you know, I'm not rushing to get one check, but making sure that I'm being, doing my due diligence to make sure I, I'm able to build that consistent cash flow over time. Um, I could go on and on, and on especially <laughs> construction. I know those projects, especially the ones that we do, our houses are a front wall with a tree growing up the middle half the time, right? <laughs> it's super cute when you do before and afters. You don't really see the work that goes on behind the, behind the closed doors. And so don't let Instagram or, you know, um, those 30 minute flipping shows get you jacked up because it, it definitely takes a little bit more than that to get from point A to point B. But those are just a few. Right. Yeah. The flipping shows will have people thinking I can tile my whole bathroom, put in cabinets, do the countertops, everything. I'm only going to spend a couple thousand dollars on renovating a whole house. And you can do it in 30 minutes or less. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So it's, it's real out here. If, right. if it was super simple, you know, anyone would, would be out there doing it and and everyone would find success along the way. You know, there's a lot of people that fail through the process, so. Yeah. So do you guys, when you're looking at a property, um, do you have the checklist of things that it has to um, satisfy to buy it? So for us, I'll, I'll be honest, at this point, we, we tend to do like larger portfolios and develop, you know, you know okay. but I will say when we're working with our, our mentees and folks that we're supporting and buying in, in Baltimore, absolutely, right? They, they're using like the checklist that we've bought um, or we've used and leveraged when, when we got started and we're doing individual properties and, you know, what are those things that you look for, not only when you're analyzing the deal and going through that whole process of what actually makes a good deal good um, and then what makes it good for you because not everything that's good is good for you mm -hmm. um, but even on the other side what are those things that you need to be looking for on the construction end right what are some of the checklists that you need for that so yeah we're really big on like checklists and process and uh, blueprints and making sure that that it's laid out so that you're um, you know put in the best position to, right. to find success Okay, so what is the best way, in your opinion, if somebody's like, okay, I have some money, I want to, or maybe I don't have some money, but I want to get into real estate, would you recommend like the Burr method or wholesale or buying a home and renting a room? Yeah, I think the, the, the lowest point of, not the lowest, the easiest point of entry into real estate is traditional. Right. And that means buying a property that you would be occupying, um, taking advantage of the fact with FHA mortgages, which is the the um, the type of mortgage that most people use as first time home buyers. That's the loan that people typically will think of when it's three and a half percent down. I think the absolute best way to get in, get that loan, that FHA loan, buy a multi unit and get up to four units live in one unit, rent out the other three. That to me is the best way to get the biggest bang for your buck, right? Because especially in Baltimore, there's tons of grants and incentives. So that three and a half percent, a lot of times can, can come elsewhere. 
you don't have a ton of cash, you can keep whatever cash you do have in your pocket um, and then build cash flow, start to learn that process of having um, properties and ownership. Um, and typically you're only required to live in the property for a year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, folks are able to build portfolios that way and, and continue to buy more property. Um, or, you know, if nothing else, if you're renting now um, and you're into that style where you have, you know, an apartment, you can probably do it for another year and, and have an asset that someone else is paying for and cash flow um, there and a wealth building opportunity where you're offsetting typically folks' biggest, uh, biggest bill a month, which, which is your housing expense. And so it can be, at, you know, that year can be to save stack and do what you want to do after that. You know, mm -hmm. my mom always says, and she listens to this, she's like, you're quoting me. Uh, but she used to always say, you know, you do what you got to do. So you do what you want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be really clear on what your goals are, what you're looking to do and accomplish. And then it's a conversation with yourself, like how bad do you want it? Right. What are you willing to do and sacrifice to make that happen? Um, and, you know, to me, um, a year doesn't seem like too much of a sacrifice to really put you on that that scale. Yeah, I agree. So I'm curious because personally, I want to be out of, I guess what I would call unnecessary debt mm -hmm. um, before I try to buy anything, like especially a property. So car, credit cards, for me, student loans, I want everything to be gone before I try to buy a house. Do you think people should pay off all their debt before they start trying to really take on more debt and buy a house? Or can you kind of still be getting your finances together and still get involved in real estate? So honestly, I actually don't think that you need to pay everything off. Mm -hmm. um, and for a few different reasons. Um, one, what tends to happen with, with folks sometimes is that they... Um, they don't have that credit history, right? And they don't have um, the sophistication in their credit profile. Um, and so if one small thing pops up, now their credit score, you know, tumbles, right? And right. so then they're not able to, to buy. They start to having, having these big swings um, in their credit, which can cause issues. Um, I also think, you know, sometimes... Um, your return on property could potentially be more than your, um, you know, your student loan interest rate, right? Um, and so there is this push and pull. Now, I say all that to say, you also have to, I say with, with our next geners, with our mentees all the time, know thine self is the saying, right? Know thine self. And so if for you, Having that debt is a burden that stresses you out. That's something that you need to get out and away so that you can focus on doing something else. Do you, boo-boo, right? Mm -hmm. And so really it's about, um, you know, doing what makes the most sense for you because the strategy for one person isn't necessarily the, the right strategy for someone else. And so, you know, I know there's a lot of one size fits all, you know, advice out there. Everybody's trying to watch the same YouTube videos and read the same books. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's going to put you in the best position to be successful. Um, and that can look different for you than the next person. Um, so it, it really does depend. So we'll have people in next gen and we'll support and they're like, okay, yep, I got to take care of X, Y, and Z though, because it just, 
it's not gonna fit right in my spirit I'm like got you right mm -hmm. let's let's kind of shift right and and adjust and make sure that you're taking care of you so that now your your space is clear to take on more opportunities um mm -hmm. and not you know drive yourself nuts trying to buy a house and do everything else at the same time mm -hmm. so are either one of you real estate agents? Like, did you go back and get your licenses? So I did. Um, so I do have my, I do have my license. Um, I wouldn't consider myself an agent because I don't <laughs> represent anybody. I'm not showing no houses. Don't ask me to list no house. I'm not doing it. Um, but I did go back and get my license. And really because it was like a childhood thing, I wanted to get a dog and get my real estate license and I wanted to buy houses. Um, so I was one of those nerds. And so after I had my daughter, it was like my thing for me. I got to get out of the house, right? Um, so she was in, she was a baby baby. But yeah, I did uh, go and get my, my license. But your license is not needed, not required to invest in real estate. Because mm -hmm. I think that is a misnomer um, for whatever reason people think you need to get your license and, and or think that getting your license or taking the class is going to help you to invest. Um, that is not accurate. They do not teach you how to invest in real estate. They teach you how to manage transactions. And that is mm. very different. Um, and so if you want to buy and show houses and list properties, go for it. Cool. Everyone wants a, an awesome agent. But if investing is your goal, you probably don't need to. So was it always the plan for you and your husband? Because I mean, you're doing the interview by yourself, but this is a married couple owned business. This is a family mm -hmm. business. Yeah. So was it always the plan like from even before you got married that one day we're going to get into real estate or did charm city buyers just kind of happen yeah great question so we were um so we had both been graduated um we moved in together um and it was like well, what are we what are we doing right and so we had to have one of those conversations for both of us like if if this is what we're doing you know, for each of us individually, what, where did we see ourselves going? What did we individually want to do and accomplish? And then what does that look like as a unit, right? Mm -hmm. And so we had this whole period of those conversations, of vision boarding, which we still have those vision boards that we did at that time. Um, and so really being able to map out what, what does this thing that we're doing really look like long-term? And we also in that time period is when we realized like, you know, working forever probably wasn't going to be either one of our things. So what is our thing? We started to do some research on different businesses and opportunities. And um, for me, real estate was always something I was interested in um, and passionate about. Um, and so that was like in the back of my head. For Khalil, he grew up very entrepreneurial and so he knew it was going to be something in business. And then we kind of merged it all together and real estate checked most of the boxes. And of course, you know, for me, that was great because I was already, always, already passionate about it. For him, it made sense. And so fast forward now, obviously we've built something pretty cool um, and been able to do some, some really amazing things together, um, but still kind of be able to, to carve out our individual lanes be able to have um, our own space within the businesses that we created um, so that there's still that like you know what do I want to accomplish and then how does that fit into what we're building together as a unit yeah 
Oh, that is so awesome. Okay. Um, so I actually watched one of your YouTube videos like earlier today about the difference between community building and gentrification mm -hmm. and how a lot of people kind of misuse the term gentrification and that it is not inherently bad, but in practice, a lot of the effects um, end up being negative. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who are not from Maryland who are coming in and buying up properties and trying to, I mean, we've seen it with the harbor, completely gentrify that area. And so how do you feel about the people who are coming from outside of your area and effectively negatively gentrifying and displacing a lot of people? Yeah, so here's the thing we can't control, right? So, so there's, there's levels to this, right? Mm -hmm. So the first level for me, my first reaction is I um, am unable to control how people from outside come in and cash out, as we like to say, right? What I can control is, and what as a community we can control is our collective power in those discussions, right? So what do I mean by that? I mean, making sure that we are on the boards of our community association, right? I mean, if you're not on the board that you're in the room, we're mm -hmm. going to the meetings. So those folks who come in from out of state and, and you know, build these huge high rises and do all of these things, because around the, the harbor, when we talk about the harbor being gentrified or changed in, in downtown Baltimore, um, a lot of it is like the Harbor, Canton, Federal Hill, Bells Point, Harbor East, right? So for those who are, are familiar with Baltimore, those are some of the neighborhoods that have that have definitely um, that's where the, that's where the money resides. Right. But, um, <laughs> so, um, so you know, but we can, you know, those folks when you're doing those types of things, there are conversations that have to be had. Um, and really beyond just those neighborhoods, when you think about the neighborhoods further in, right, where um, whether it's around Hopkins or whether it's around University of Maryland or any of these other areas around the city that are seeing um, some, some development, we have to be able to take, if we don't have financial power, we have to have collective power. And a lot of that comes from being in these positions where the city will ask the community association to sign off on developments. And so a lot of times developers have to present to community associations or community development corporations or, or those types of, of organizations. And so sometimes we feel like someone just came in and we blinked and overnight the city was different. I remember everyone said that about DC, right? I left for college and I came back and Southeast was not Southeast anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but the truth of the matter is what you saw when you came back was planned for the last five, 10 years. You just weren't part of that conversation. And so sometimes, yes, I think, you know, we have to make sure that developers are integrating within the community um, and I also think that that's something the city and the state have to hold them accountable for because best believe their city and state funding, funding what they're doing. Um, but at the same time, we also need to um, responsibly take our power and our position in our community 
to be able to, you know, make sure that, that we have a say, like we have a say mm-hmm. on, on what's happening. Um, so of course, no, I don't want anyone to be displaced. I think you can do development without displacement. Um, I'm a huge proponent of that, um, especially in a city like Baltimore, where we have so many vacant properties, um, where you can literally develop properties without displacing anyone, but there's a way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that um, at Baltimore is doing a much better job of being very thoughtful about that. Um, but I think we can we can do our part as well. Yeah. Okay, so do you feel welcome, I guess, on the more government real estate business side? Because I know Charm City Buyers is a big presence in Baltimore, and you guys are probably disrupting a bit of what has long been, you know, white people exchanging money. So do you guys feel welcome in that space with the mission that you have? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're actually um, very much intertwined with politics in Baltimore um, at this point. And uh, a lot of the big players in the city, you know, we've done some, some big, not everything makes it into on the Instagram, right? So, <laughs> so we're, we're definitely out here, out here, um, but um, which is great. Um, and, and I mean, honestly, Baltimore Although, of course, there are, you know, white developers and, and all that kind of stuff, the leadership in Baltimore is definitely Black. Um, and so as a city, you know, our mayor is consistently Black. Our city councilmen are, you know, there is like a, a mix. But even those folks are very conscious and, and thoughtful about what they do and how they do it. And so we do have that. Now, not to say there are not challenges, um, but, but I, I will say that um, especially with our new mayor, we're, we're excited to continue to support and partner um, with him, Mayor Brandon Scott, um, as someone who was born and raised in Baltimore, someone that mm-hmm. Khalil has known forever, right? Um, and so I, I think that, that that can be very great for the city, someone that's from Baltimore who knows all different sides um, and is willing to, um, you know, make sure that the right people have a seat at the table to help him to be able to lead the city into where we're going. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope that um, moves to other cities, especially like Detroit. I mean, I don't know if it's too late for DC, but (laughs) other parts of the US could definitely stand to learn from that model of the leadership reflecting the people who live in the city. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a huge part because then the, the community has advocates, mm-hmm. right? And so when the community has advocates on, on that end, who, and let's be honest too, right? We can't have the pendulum swing too far. And so you have to have someone that, that can advocate for the community, but also understands the importance of business and of revitalization and of progress um, from, from a real estate perspective. Um, so that together, you know, we can help change the narrative on on what it looks like for the city to to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I looked all through y'all's Instagram. I've seen all the pretty like flipping pictures from when you transformed a house. Mm-hmm. So how much of the physical labor do you all do yourselves um, when you're flipping a home or renovating a home? None. <laughs> 
mean, I'm not, I'm not breaking my nails. No, I think, um, no, we don't do, we did when we started. When we started, we would pick up a hammer um, more. Um, now it's more, you know, definitely, you know, management and, and leadership because we'll have quite a few projects going at any given time. So um, I'm not finna lay towel. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so no, we have team. We have, we have a pretty solid team. Um, we have multiple teams going at, at any given time. Um, we have go-to maintenance folks for our rental properties. Um, so we, we have a pretty well-oiled, um, pretty well-oiled typically machine, right? Things pop up and contractors are contractors, but for the most mm-hmm. part, um, yeah, we're, we're running. We've, I was saying to Chloe the other day, like, I'm starting to feel a little corporate. Like, we might have to go outside a little bit more, but that might be because uh, quarantine, we're just stuck in the house. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, for people who are new, how much do you recommend them doing most of the work themselves to save money or getting a contractor to make sure that it's right? So, let me tell you an an unpopular uh, opinion um, or school of thought, right? So I think it's important that you understand and you take the time to learn. Um, and so that might be, for some people might be walking through with a contractor, just asking questions and, and just kind of probing so you have more understanding. Some people want to touch it, feel it, and, and have their hands all over it. Know thine self, right? Mm-hmm. Do what works for you. Now, some people are like, I want to do it myself because it'll save me money. If you don't know what you're doing, chances are you're gonna be running back and forth to Home Depot 50, 11 times a day because you don't got the wrong nail 17 times. And then you're gonna buy the wrong stuff, buy the wrong, right? And so there's this balance between um, how much is your time worth um, and all of the, um, the challenges that you tend to have going through the process yourself, um, depending on the level of renovation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for some of the rehabs that are happening in Baltimore, I'm going to say, don't play yourself. Go ahead, hire somebody, right? The <laughs> construction is too big. You'll mess it up. The inspectors don't make you restart and you'll be mad because you wasted a few tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and so there's, there's that, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the school of thought of what is your time worth? Um, and what are some of the other things you can or should be doing? Um, but some people like to touch and feel it. So, you know, you just have to go into that understanding that chances are it's going to take you a heck of a lot longer than you think um, and probably going to cost you more than you think at the end of the day. Yeah, that's good to hear because I am also a I don't want to break my nails or get <laughs> dirty type of person. And I mean, I understand in the beginning, you're going to probably have to do more than you will later on. But I, my mom loves to do DIY stuff. She's like, we could tile everything and redo the floors and I was like we shouldn't we could we could <laughs> but we should not yeah just gotta figure out what's gonna what's gonna be the best balance for you maybe it's not you know maybe it's not the tile but you just do the floors I mean if the floors are not the tile or whatever paint. Um, I could paint 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 you could potentially do right there's there's a balance in what's going to make the most sense but you just don't want to get stuck in a deal you're trying to do it yourself um, you don't have the time. Now the property has been sitting there for six months because, you know, you ran out of time and money and now it's costing you that much more. So you just need to balance it all out. Yeah. Okay. So you work with your husband every day. 
So how do y'all balance work life and married life? And what do you do to make sure the business and the marriage are both successful? Yeah. Uh, therapy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think what's, what's great about Chloe and I is that we do have that shared vision and passion, um, which pulls through. Um, do we have a perfect balance? Probably not. Definitely not. I think because we're so intertwined with the business um, together. So we are the people who will talk business in the middle of the night um, in bed. Um, so I know some some couples that work together try to shut it off. We don't. Um, but we have fun, right? Like we, we play all day long. Like we're totally best friends. So, um, so you know, we our life and our business are just intertwined at this point. And of course we have Michaela, right? So Michaela right. is the one that will like make us shut it down and it's just family time. Mm -hmm. And we're just hanging out, playing card games or she'll come up with like these little, I think we played I Spy the other night, like just randomly. And so it's just fun. Like we just have a great time together, um, which is what keeps the marriage strong, right? And and also the, the business as well, so enjoy it like having that that passion and then when it's not being able to give each other grace to take breaks and, and balance it all out mm -hmm. so speaking of Michaela who's adorable by the way and it's so cute that she's like going to grow up learning about real estate and she'll be an expert probably by the time she's grown she's probably already an expert but um what are do you guys bring her in a lot on the process uh, so she's learning about um, what to do and learning from mistakes that you guys have made in the past? Yeah, we we like to bring her in um, on different things. Like she's, you know, she's been on walkthroughs on properties where mommy is not happy with the contractor. And she's <laughs> like, mommy, are you going to fire him? And that's something that like stuck with her. So, so the other week, because we're all home, she's doing virtual school. And so, you know, we're still... Um, being responsible with the pandemic and everything. Um, and so she overheard a call. And she said, mommy, it sounded like the contractor's behind. Why are we paying him? And I was like, <laughs> true, you know, but, you know, trying to explain it. And she was like, is, is he going to be fired? I was like, potentially. So she's definitely taking it all in. Um, you know, we'll talk about numbers. She reviews our P&L statements. So she'll review like our profit and loss, our business statements, and we'll go through it with her on like, you know, yeah, this is what we brought in, but here are the costs associated with that. And here's what's left at the end of the day. So getting some of that insight is, is, um, is a lot of fun. She's definitely top of her class when they're doing their, their money sections on, you know, <laughs> on those types of things. But, but yeah, I mean, exposing her to business and entrepreneurship and, leadership and managing teams and hiring and firing and, and just really being um being about your business is is cool and it's a lot of fun to have other friends um who are doing the same like our our mentorship is called the next gen accelerator because we're so passionate about what that next generation is going to look like um and making sure that as she continues to grow and develop there's people who look like her who understand even her experience and so that's something that's been really um 
really important to us and exciting to to watch um with our our friends and our mentees on how that's all coming to fruition but yeah she's gonna be she's gonna be something else yeah uh that's cool to get to pass everything on to your kids i hope to do the same one day i don't have any kids and i will not for a while but (laughs) that'll be fun (laughs) one day um so where do y'all see charm city buyers going in the future do you ever want to move to another city and be like nationwide? Yeah, so that's a great question. So there's there's plenty of, of uh, work for us to do here in Baltimore. So I do see us continuing to grow and expand to that. Hopefully you guys will be hearing some stuff about what that looks like over the next few months or so. Um, but even beyond that, I do think there's an opportunity to, to showcase how do you balance um, you know, development and community, right? We call it our community first development framework. How do you take that um, and what we've built in Baltimore and apply it into other cities? So potentially in the future, it might be like a, a next gen Detroit or a next gen, you know, whatever. But um, but for right now, we're we're ten toes down in, in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, it's exciting. It really is. Yeah, that's cool. I think that idea of teaching that mentality and framework to people in other cities would be amazing it would go really far even if you're not specifically moving to those cities and having offices there being able to like educate other people on how they can do what y'all are doing um is a big deal (laughs) okay so can you give us some book recommendations yeah so um so i love a great book so for those who um, are interested in the history of even like Baltimore real estate, um, Not In My Neighborhood is a great book, um, as well as They Call Me Little Willie. Um, those are two really great books that give some, some background on uh, real estate in Baltimore specifically. Um, mindset books, um, if you need to get amped up and be ready to like take on the world, um, I am a fan of the 10x rule by Grant Cardone. Um, if you need to kind of learn how to settle yourself a little bit, or if you're into like those mindset books, um, I love the, um, I believe it's called The Power of Stillness, um, which is a great book. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy reading. So I feel like I'm at my best when I'm reading. So I, I try to... Um, I try to uh, to keep some good books around, um, but those are just a few. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I had one other question. Is your are your parents um, involved in the business at all? <laughs> they try to. Act, they they try, um, uh, not directly. Um, sometimes they'll come. Like if we have events and stuff, my dad will come and help with the events. My mom will do some stuff. Close parents. We'll do things. Close dad and his brother actually helped to paint a house when we were still doing some things ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one of our first properties in Baltimore, they would come out and they would do a bunch of like handy stuff. Um, so so uh, yeah, they they're definitely you know involved, but they don't um, they don't work for it because for something for some reason I think uh, especially my parents they they would like to work for it work for us without doing any work so that's (laughs) (laughs) all right so last question uh what is your dream for your life's work what impact do you want to leave on the world even after you're gone yeah 
Um, I think, so for sure, um, you know, leaving a, a legacy and really empowering folks to build wealth through, through real estate and build Baltimore. Those are like the two things that are near and dear for me. So being able to not only create this experience and lifestyle and um, opportunity for our family together, being able to empower other people to do that same thing for themselves and their family. Like that's intergenerational impacts across multiple, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of families. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, really being able to um, leave our mark in the history of a, of a beautiful city like Baltimore is, is huge. And so that's, that's our goal. That's what we're working towards. And really, that's what we're doing. Yeah, you definitely are. I feel like, I mean, I can't see the future, but I feel like you guys are going to be a big part of like Baltimore's history. And that's an incredible thing. Um, and it's cool to see people. I think a lot of people this age and in this time, because of all of the flipping shows and real estate shows, want to get into real estate. Um, but it's cool to see people really doing it and teaching other people how to do it. And I just really admire what you guys are doing. And I'm so excited. My uh, boyfriend is actually the one who got me this interview and who was he telling me all about me. you guys. Yeah, he yeah. tweeted you. Yeah, <laughs> and, he did. Yeah. So it's it's been cool to learn about you guys as I've been preparing for this. And I'm excited to like watch where y'all go. Yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And thank you so much for doing this. Um, do you want to plug like what programs you have going on or classes you have coming up? Yeah. So I think a really great place to start, of course, we have our, our YouTube channel has a lot of awesome information. So Charm City Buyers on YouTube. Um, we're Charm City Buyers on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Um, but if you want to start learning and, and particularly learning about um, Baltimore, we actually have a free class. If you go to charmcitybuyers.com, you can register for a free class to learn a bunch of stuff. We like to drop tons of gems. Um, and so learn about, about Baltimore and some opportunities for you. And then, of course, if you are looking for more support and to be able to work with us directly and, and really get that, you know, hands-on coaching and mentorship, we do have our next-gen accelerator for those who are ready to come in and, and take action. Our goal there is that people are buying property in less than six months. So, um, so yeah, so there's some free options out there to get tons of information. And then for those who are really looking to get it done, Next Gen is where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, please go support Charm City Buyers, whether it's uh, following their social media, circulating their information that they're always sharing about classes um, or the Next Gen Accelerator. Please, please, please support them. Um, and thank you so much, Kiera, for doing this. I'm so grateful. Um, and I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye.